Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Everybody, welcome to Saturday Morning Cereal. Uh, hey, everybody, we got a pretty packed house today. Of course, you have me, Dan Grimshay, your host, and the most important one. Also joining me, as always, is Marquis. Sound off, Marquis. I'm here, Grimshay. All right. Now, I also need confirmation from our infrequent but always beloved co-hostess, Holy <laughs> Hobbits. Please uh, tell the people you're here. I'm right here. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great, but that doesn't matter because we haven't even talked to Johnny Heck yet. Johnny, oh. get on here. hey All right, so we pretty much covered everybody that needs covering. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, today, we're talking costumes. Yes. Not, not necessarily dress-up, not necessarily cosplay. No. But costumes, because without them, every movie you see would be porno. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So, and as a matter of fact, we even got experts that we talked to about this, including Ruth E. Carter. Uh-huh, Ruth Carter. Mm-hmm. 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 Who, did, uh, who did some costumes for a uh, little property. There was a little independent movie came out recently. Black Panther. Black Panther. That's right. That's the one. From a little the, tiny, just a small gig. Just a hidden gem. I don't <laughs> know if anyone's heard of it, but... Uh, yeah. yeah. It was, it was uh, someone told me it was part of the McHugh universe. <laughs> By the way, yeah, she mm-hmm. basically dressed a whole freaking Wakanda country. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. come on. <laughs> using <laughs> she using vibranium yeah. on top of all Absolutely. that. Absolutely, which, which, which she will talk about, by the mm-hmm. way. That's a, yeah, not to spoil it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie or the interview coming up. But as, as if that was not enough, speaking of the McHugh, we've also got Elizabeth Vastola. Uh-huh. Liz, right? Or Eliza? Uh, yeah, I think our friends call her Liz, her. so Liz. we call her Elizabeth. Okay, so <laughs> not her friend, but she was very nice because we got to meet her in person. But we'll get very. to that later. Yeah, that's true. We've got interviews with both of them, taken from a little event called WonderCon. I know it's still producing. The gift is the gift that keeps on giving. Everybody. We haven't had a phoner interview in a year because of WonderCon. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We're happy to we're happy to do this because. Uh, it's really the first time that we've had such a uh, a high quality of fully functioning audio. 
yeah. captured in one convention. Well, this is what we did yeah. for Turns two days. Turns out if you bring straight. something better than right. a Fisher Price tape recorder, I know we actually, we just learned that this year at WonderCon. We did a we I I, I must pat us on the back here. <laughs> we did a great job with WonderCon, and so this is actually this is still not the end. We're still doing we're still going to bring you a whole bunch of creatives. Good lord, no! Out. But we're going to wait until uh, after Comic Con to bring that audio. Um, and let's celebrate these two ladies because they have dressed a Marvel universe. It's amazing what they've done. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, Elizabeth Vastola uh-huh. has been work. She's done a lot of the costumes for the uh, Netflix for the Marvel MCU. Yes. Yep, yep. We're talking uh, Daredevil uh, which season one? She two. Did, she did Daredevil season Daredevil two. Season two. And, and Jessica Jones season two. Yeah, apparently someone dropped the ball because I did not see Daredevil in his costume all first season. Right. They get Elizabeth Vastola on it. Boom. Every episode. First episode he's wearing his costume. <laughs> yeah. Thank God they got someone who knew what uh-huh. she was doing. Uh, she's done Jessica Jones. Yep. And I think, yeah, I think she did Jessica Jones too. And then she is, and again, you'll hear this in the audio, but she's, she's on board for Daredevil season three, which is coming out soon. I just can't believe she spoiled the whole season for I know. Us, so uh, coming up. can't yeah. wait you guys listen Definitely to this interview. Yeah. Listen to this yeah. interview. <laughs> just uh, We don't want to get her fired guys. Come no, on. No, no. Come she on. told us nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, behave. yeah. Behave everybody. <laughs> we tried. Marky tried. Uh, God bless him. Yeah. And, and, You'll all hear this, but the reason why we're bringing these interviews right now is because Luke Cage is coming. Season two of Luke Cage is coming out. It's actually it might be out right now when you guys are listening. Yeah, to by this. the time you're On hearing this, who knows? Yeah, who knows? But uh, this is a cause for celebration because Luke Cage is it's a phenomenon, man. And yeah. you know, the first season was fantastic. Yeah, I, you, I, I. I Daredevil was great, and I'm going to keep watching that. Mm-hmm. Jessica Jones, I loved, but I've been afraid to pick up the second season because I didn't see The Defenders. Uh-huh. I saw enough of, you know... Don't say Iron Fist. Don't make fun of Iron Fist. I love Iron Fist. Well, then I'm out of things to say. <laughs> Everybody picks on Iron Fist. Seriously, what's wrong with that? It's a, not necessarily something wrong with that, but when you have to pick from so many... Great shows now, just within the Marvel damn universe, by the way. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to waste 10 hours of my life on this when I've heard such bad things. And then Defenders came out, and I, I'm, I'm not saying I won't watch it, but I haven't. Now, I don't care that I haven't watched it. I'm watching Luke Cage season That's right. two. I don't think it'll have any – I don't think it'll – I don't think it'll matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean – uh, Jessica Jones season two had nothing to do with Defenders, really. I mean, it did move the character around, I mean, forward about an inch. Yeah. They probably mentioned in passing, hey, remember that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's got nothing to do with it. And yes, I think everybody here, you know, uh, the way that I handled the uh, Marvel Infinity, right, was that I didn't, I I still haven't seen Ant Man. I still haven't seen Thor two or three. I still, I literally haven't seen Black Panther, but, um, but are you, do you need to go to the movie theaters right now, Marky? Dude, there's like 50, feel like. there's like 50 Marvel movies. You can't watch but you it are all. Right. Yeah. At yeah. some point you have to start um, picking and choosing. And a lot of times what you can, um, uh, a lot of times 
you just have to rely on your ability to put together context on your own. <laughs> you know, like you just have to just kind of go in there and just do this. I think in the biz and we call it winging it. You have bro. to just kind of wing it. Well, I'm not even talking about our interview capabilities. I'm just talking about comprehending. Uh, I didn't about. realize anyone was, but hey, that's a great I'm a endorsement. Little, yes, I'm a little self-conscious <laughs> about that. But, but um, I think we could walk into Luke Cage season two without seeing yes. every Marvel property out there. I think, I think it's yeah. absolutely true. If you saw yeah. the first season, I think you're going to walk into this one. You're hip to what's going on. The hero of Harlem is back. And I don't think you're going to be missing much if you didn't see the Defenders. And I'll say yeah. that to you, and I have. Yeah. <laughs> I just did. I think the table's yeah. divided, actually, between. I think us on. Uh, we, we can't see it, but I'm sitting next to uh, Grimshay, and we're both not of the Iron the Iron Fist fan club. That being said, uh, you could go in and watch Luke Cage, man. The preview looks badass. Yeah, watch, um, watch well, the trailer. I'm actually, I'm assuming the worst. Like, I have to watch all of every Netflix MCU in order to watch the next season of whatever's coming out. And I still am going to watch Luke Cage season two. Well, but look, I hope I'm wrong about that, but I'm going to watch it regardless. I that's my, that's how excited I was about the first season. I was like, wow, this is a totally different take on et cetera, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't want to ruin anything for anyone else who has been afraid of getting into the Netflix MCU, but I'm saying, I'm still afraid of getting into half of it, and I'm going to watch Luke Cage. Well, I was a witness to my life partner. Dan's right here. You could just record my wife. him by name. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry and so uh, Your wife. she actually um, my wife. She, she watched all of the Marvel properties completely out of order because the first thing that she watched was because I just – can't stop talking about the Punisher all the time. <laughs> Love the Punisher. And so she ended up, and then, so I, I caught her watching the Punisher once, like late at night. I walked in the room without like making any noise. And she was like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And so she was like, I caught, her, shot I caught, right I caught the her watching the Punisher. And I was like, why are you watching the Punisher? You didn't even watch the, you didn't watch this. You didn't watch, you know, and, and then so, but she really liked the Punisher. And because she really liked the Punisher, I was like, well, then, you have to watch the Daredevil. Why is it like you have to see watch you just walking in and just yanking the power cord out of the TV going, no, you <laughs> Well, but I didn't. And because of that... He pulls his Marvel whiteboard out. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I didn't do any of that. And that's the point. She, is that she, said, she said... <laughs> but I didn't do it to the ones I love. And so, uh, and so I caught her watching this. And and she loved it. And by the way, I just started. You know, when you walk in on your wife doing doing something that hot, you just right. you just do it with her. You know. Right. And so I started watching The Punisher okay. with her again. You know, for like the third time. And then so because she liked that so much, she started back cataloging. All right. Right. All right. And I think that for all of you guys, like if you find something in this Marvel universe that you just like fucking awesome they do all intertwine some way you know luke uh luke cage was first introduced in jessica jones season one mm-hmm. um and then punisher was introduced on daredevil season two and iron fist just came out of fucking nowhere which nobody seems <laughs> like um but anyway so apparently it was like a 1968 <laughs> out of nowhere 
But no one should have paid money for that. But still, there is something there for you. And if it does inspire you, like if you want more of it, there's you can always go back and watch it, Shay. So like, don't don't worry about it. Like, if you're ready for Luke Cage season two, it's coming out June twenty second. I think you're gonna love it. And again, the reason why we're talking about it today is because we have interviews with these costumers. Is that even if that's the right term for them? I'll take it. Uh, yeah, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, and um, if you guys remember, there was something really important about Luke Cage, like just to show you how important a costume can be and how relevant it can be. In the first season of Luke Cage, he wore a hoodie, like through a lot of it. And when he was walking in to bust up that, that, the building and yeah. he has that car door. And, yep. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, that, was, that wasn't that long after the – Trevon Martin situation and all of that. And, you know, we're not going to get into all that. You know, we all have our feelings about it. And it's, but it's important and it should be represented. And Luke Cage kind of took on with, you know, in his costume. Yeah. Superhero in a hoodie in Harlem. Exactly. Exactly. And it took on, it, it put its fingers right on the pulse of the community. And it was important. It was powerful. And it, it was good to see. Um, and coming into it was also season, done, I think, artfully enough where just the general public wouldn't be divided about it. Right. It was noticeable, but it wasn't a statement. It really kind of played that line, and that's something you can get away with with the right costuming, probably a little bit of production design as well, mm-hmm. but. You know, 10 years from now, no one's going to watch the first season of Luke Cage and say, why is he wearing a very conspicuous hoodie? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but they were smart enough to have that in there. Yeah. And it it seems like someone's head was in that space. I think so, too. And it made me notice it just enough. Yeah. And so there's and so, an art to that. And it can be very important, like we saw, you know, with the hoodie. Mm-hmm. But it can also, like, your... Your costume choices can also be a lot of fun. Season one of Luke Cage had. Right. It actually had his original comic costume from yeah. like yep. the 70s when he busted out of that facility. He has that, what do we call it, a tiara that he had on and then that yellow shirt. And um, it was almost his original costume. It just looked, it was hilarious. And even he kind of looked in the mirror and went, this looks Stupid, but it was <laughs> so it was kind of poking fun. It was throwing it back, and and back to Jessica Jones. They had a little throwback on there too, where they showed her the the sapphire costume, and that was just a one gag kind of throwaway. But in the comic book, she had this really gaudy, yeah, like kind a of star super star on it, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you know they they have fun with it, and it's just that that weird ass seventies. But both of those seem like throwbacks to kind of exploitative. Yes, absolutely. Kind of that seems like the buzzword, and he had the Luke Cage, the show kind of had to recognize that, and then absorb it back in, which makes the the hoodie outfit all that more powerful. Or am I just gilding a little? I here? think you're absolutely right on that, and I, I think that they're what these designers have been able to do. Two of our guests today, by the way, um, was that they were able to take this kind of construct that was produced for 1960s era comic books for kids. And they're able to kind of, you know, move it forward 
into not just our present time, but into our actual reality mm-hmm. and to kind of have it be. And then also at the same time, have a reverence for its roots. Yeah, so we've absolutely. seen Jessica Jones's actual costume. Mm-hmm. It was made fun of. It, it, this almost and, sounds like their job is walking a tightrope where you could fall to the left, to the right, to the northeast, to the northwest, <laughs> to the southeast. Like, there's so many ways they can get it wrong. Yep. And the fact that it took this long, quite honestly, for a cutting-edge show like ourselves to get onto this topic, they must have done it right. <laughs> I know. I think, actually, yes. I think a, a lot of times the best costumes can be those that you don't really pay much attention to. It's those that just kind of fit in. Yeah. Like there's nothing really. Like we've talked to yeah. a lot of composers. A lot of composers. On this show yep. over and, the and years. When, and we welcome And they composers. have even said like you, you're doing your job right. When people don't notice yeah. when there is music, mm-hmm. they notice when there isn't music. Yep. Right. Yep. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Yep. Are yeah. we all nodding our heads? Holy uh-huh. Hobbits, I need, you to, I need you to pitch in here and tell <laughs> me you agree with me. I agree, absolutely, especially looking at uh, Jessica Jones's just plain white shirt, regular jacket, season two. We find out the story behind the jacket, mm-hmm. and it just looks like a normal, like, every day she picks it up off the floor, but there's actually something behind, and the jacket actually means something. So the basics are actually really thought about, and it's not just whatever we have around, laying around. Yep. Yeah, and these and these are like ideas introduced by storytellers that someone else whose whose job it is to provide these costumes is like now in such a narrow lane to make it right. Are we all agreed they made it right? Yeah. I'm no fashion guy, right. but yeah, I and, think it's right. And on. I'm I'm glad you brought up the jacket. I don't know if if you took this away, but uh, spoiler alert if if we haven't seen it, but um, go watch it. Uh, <laughs> it. The jacket's from her dead boyfriend Mm -hmm. and she picks it up so that's almost like her armor now you know it's kind of like her emotional armor she's wearing this as as a way to kind of pay tribute and kick ass in in his name in a weird way so she doesn't need a suit or a or a red white and blue outfit she's wearing this jacket kind of like an homage and and that's her armor emotionally yeah, and maybe I'm looking to do it. I don't know. Well, and no, no, I th- I think you probably dialed right into it there. Well, and then and um, just to kind of show you guys how well how to show us all, <laughs> it, I didn't make the costume, but um, what? but just to, <laughs> just to kind of show us all and how those things can kind of feed into a narrative. The first season of Jessica Jones, I don't know if they knew about this boyfriend. In mm-hmm. the first season, I don't. I'm not aware of the comics having that kind of part of her backstory or not. I didn't get that impression. But um, you knew that she was always wearing this jacket in season one of Jessica Jones. She always wore it, and it was always obviously very important to her and to her and to her character. And then season two is actually able to fit into that narrative a lot of emotional weight. Mm-hmm. Um, just like with Luke Cage and the hoodie, mm-hmm. yeah. right? I mean, so you're able to kind of put a lot of meaning and a lot of thought behind something that's just what somebody threw on. And didn't she look in those uh, flashback scenes when she's hanging out with Trist, didn't she look younger yes. somehow mm-hmm. without that jacket yep. and all the yeah. other clothes she was wearing? It does just make you kind of more just, vulnerable yep. somehow, even though she had the same power, not honed, but she looked younger. She looked... Innocent in a way. Right. Yeah. yeah. Naive. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Vulnerable, I think, is is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. All right. Uh, I'm going to steal that Definitely, word. Definitely with his eyes. Word. That's what yeah. Johnny Heck was saying. And you know what? I feel like at this point, we have just been spouting off for no good reason when we know the person. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. She actually... She yes, she actually did this for season two. She thought of all this. Yeah. So yes, let's get to Well, it just so turns out in my pocket I have an interview with Elizabeth Vastola uh-huh. who has done so much work for that magic interview machine. It's about damn time. Take us there. Meanwhile So it looks awesome. like you are Hollywood costume designer. Uh, <laughs> yes. The thing that okay, so <laughs> We were actually having this argument over which Marvel series was better. Oh, lay it on me. Daredevil or Jessica Jones was, that was actually the thing. Oh my gosh, don't ask me to pick. Well, it's easy. Uh, Daredevil season two is the best thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, So did you work on that one? No, I'm working on three right now. You're working on three? But and, but you worked on Jessica Jones season yeah, one two season it just two? came out okay yeah. so don't Love spoil it, anything because I'm only about five in uh, okay but it's looking good thank you thank you appreciate um, that we, uh, I was actually talking about her costume recently too uh, well her her dress sure. um, and how it just seems to be obviously really muted kind of gothy oh I don't know that's not really the right word, but kind of like biker. Could be, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, All of that's in there. Can you kind of talk about that and kind sure. of what it, you know, what it took to kind of get that look together? Sure. I mean, her my point of inspiration for Jessica has always been like a combination between Patti Smith and... Huh. Francis Bean Cobain. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You know, Francis Bean. Okay. Yeah, we're taking it younger. Um, she just has an irreverence to the way she dresses, and it's, it's pretty hardcore. It's definitely downtown New York. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it, she's dressing for to feel comfortable and strong and a little rugged and definitely muted, and definitely there's a little gothiness in there for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's also like... It's a, like a layer of like protection for her. hundred percent. It's like it's like biker gear. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like it also has some kind of function to it, and also that character just doesn't. I mean, I know that she's really trying to fight it, but she doesn't care. No, she doesn't. And she looks the way she does. And exactly. She's the way she is. Exactly. She rolls out of bed, throws the jeans on, and the jacket on, picks up the shirt off the floor, and goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's. You know, that that's something very different for a female lead and television, you know, and I I I hope that people embrace it and sort of refreshed by it in a way because she's like a woman that does not care how she's dressing. I mean, on the outside. On the inside, you can see she's picking the same boots and the same jacket and the same jeans for a reason. You know, everybody has an attention to what they do. But it's not this, like, very self-aware fashion, you know, frivolity that a lot of times you see on, on television on women. So it's, I, I love it. I love dressing her. So maybe not at the closet going, not those jeans, but those jeans. Not yeah, no. Shirt, it's literally like, what's closest to me on the floor because I'm hungover? And I'm <laughs> a, was, there, was, there, was there something to it in that, um, you know, traditionally women have found their, unfortunately, sure. women have found their power in the way that they look. Yeah. Okay, so Jessica Jones does not find power there. Right. <laughs> she's got it in, she's got it somewhere else. Exactly. Did, did that go into? Yeah, I think yeah. that's brilliant, and I think that um, she she also is not, you know, she's not ex- 
excited about her power. You know, she's constantly wrestling with the fact that she's powered and, and what her powers are, and she can jump and she's strong, but like, what really is it, and what, how is she harnessing it for herself? You know, so I think that kind of inner unrest with that, with with her identity as a powered person, comes through in that way because it's not super put together, and it's not like I feel like a lot of times when you see superheroes on film or TV and they're very kind of like sharply dressed or their outfit is, you know, perfectly tailored to them, they, uh, it sort of signals that they're, at, you know, at one with their power, you know, that they're, they're strong and they know what their force is and they're, and they're excited about it and they use it. But with Jessica, it's like, she's constantly fighting against the fact that she's special and, um, and that I think comes through. And in the, in the comics, too, I was big comic fan, I yeah. remember her character, and she went through a lot of iterations in her in her journey, mm. and it was almost, she was kind of identified by, I think it was Sapphire was original, yep. um, and then she was with Luke Cage, and then now she's her mom and all this stuff, but now she's her own person, and you can kind of see that in the costume, the way she carries herself. Did you look at the comics at all for the inspiration, or more of her backstory, or were you just like, we're doing the, the best of yeah. Jessica Jones, we're doing it our way, as far as... You know, I think with Jessica, we there are certain uh, sequences where we are they're direct, you know, uh, homages to panels and different comics for her. Um, but I think with that show in particular, more so than with Daredevil, we're really looking at the script and the page and leaving a lot of the comic to itself because I I need to sort of work with everything Kristen's doing, you know, and I need to treat the outfit as going on a body as opposed to being drawn on the page and I it's very different and I think a lot of times there's a lot of controversy among fans in terms of what the costumes look like because everybody has just been seeing a comic and thinking of it in their own mind you know and then here comes somebody else who's telling you what the actual realized person is looking at like and if it doesn't jive with you or if it does it sort of brings up a lot of emotion. I was, uh... Welcome uh, to Reddit, right? Yeah! <laughs> I mean... I finally had, uh, I had a bunch of collectible posters and prints, and I did a massive framing yeah. over the holidays, and uh, I got a really good framer at the Hobby Lobby, or something like that, and uh, one of the things that I was trying to, like, kind of, I was thinking really hard about what matting to use and what frame to use yeah. to go with the poster and everything, and... I remember having, we have this turquoise wall in our house, and I was making that like a factor in this, and one of the things that she told me was that frame for the art, not the wall. Yes, yes. <laughs> so don't you see that in the character? Like, it's not about who's around her. Yeah. Forget the wall. Yes. It's the character. Yeah. Right? Um, 100%. Right. And, uh... You don't see that more so, no matter, and they kind of joked about it in the Defender series. Mm -hmm. You don't see that more than with Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only legitimate yeah. costume. So now that you're coming into that season fresh. Yeah. Okay. That, that series fresh. What are you going to do there? Like, oh. what, what is, like, what, what, what is, this is where Marvel will end and it goes. This yeah. is where I lose my job. Um, yeah. This is going to be hard to do. Yeah. 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 It's great. I mean, I, and they're actually really beautiful companion pieces for each other because they're so different. I mean, one is has a very strong female voice and the other is very masculine, you know, and they're dealing with very different things. We, it, it's interesting though because we find 
uh, Matt Murdock at the end of Defenders, beginning of season three, in a very tortured place. I mean, you know, physically, emotionally, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they, the, the teaser they sent out was like a funeral card, you know. So <laughs> it's like, it's, and that's very similar to Jessica. So in some ways, it was very nice to, to work with Charlie on that and to having just come off of a show that was about a character who was looking at clothing in a tortured way and, and picked that up on a character, you're right, who previously had been very, you know, snappily dressed in his suit. Um, so it, it, it's been great, and there's a lot of exciting stuff for costume this season. It's do, do you, uh, because that, that character is literally blind, yeah. Do you throw some mismatched thing in there? I know. Because you can't see the color. I know. Anyway. I know. You know. Well, you know, we've had. You have to. You have to kind of make. Like, how would a blind person yeah. dress? Well, we have come up with this thought. You know, how is he choosing red? How is he choosing black? Yeah. How, you know what I mean? How is he getting dressed in the morning? Charlie a lot and of I, yeah, Charlie and I have kind of explained it that he has some sensation of color or of light yeah. reflecting yeah, yeah. because. Otherwise, you know, he, he it, it, it's very convenient, you know, and so we try to, we know that he tends towards darker things and, um, and to things that, you know, that he's comfortable fighting in at night and, you know, so I, we sort of explain it that way. We're, I don't, we, I want you to not look, I don't want a modern audience to look at, at Daredevil and think, what the wacky shit is that? Together, like, clearly that dude's blind. I want to kind of leave that. And so, you know, you don't get distracted by it and, and so you can get into his acting and the character and the story and just be like, all right. Did so, you, but Karen went in and helped him out. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> did you watch the Defender series? I did. There was this awesome part where Murdoch and Jones yes. were in the lobby. He literally takes an accessory off of her yes. and uses it yes. as camouflage. How fun would that have I know you didn't work on that one specifically, yes. but how fun would that have been? Uh, all of a sudden that your, yes. your choice is going to be part, yes. of the, uh, part of the narrative. Well... I, costume and I, I, it really has been a gift to be brought asked to do third season of Daredevil because costume and the way Daredevil, you know, obviously the last time we saw him in the suit, it was getting pummeled by rocks, and yeah. so his his uh, sort of action with costume in the third season of Daredevil is very much like that. There's a ton of agency. There's a ton of why, you know, why am I using what I'm using and how is it helping me and what, getting back to the real kind of like essential elements of what I need to be who I am. And, you know, that's just a beautiful thing for a costume designer. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, can you hint at what we're in for? <laughs> season three of Daredevil? I no, mean, no, I can't. Does Punisher show up? Because, I mean, that's another great one, too. I like, can just say that this, I, quite frankly, this season of Daredevil is going to blow everybody's faces off of their two. head. You can't be no. Oh, uh, well, we're yeah. out for it. Yeah. I'm just going to say, Would we are out the, for two. We're coming for it. Have you started already? Or yeah. Are you, okay. Oh, yeah. It, um, is there a character, like, in that... Is, like in that whole in that whole series, uh, is there someone that you really want to fit? Is there is there someone that you're dying to fit? Like maybe it's maybe it's Iron Fist. So heaven forbid. <laughs> like heaven. I actually like him. Of course, uh, Iron Fist. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, would it be? Uh, 
Who's the ninja chick? I'm just I'm, I'm thinking Electra. 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 How awesome is she? Yeah, I mean, she's great. That she's gorgeous. Her she body is that yeah. But anyway, so I mean, is there is there a character that you haven't been able to fit in your thinking? That I would love to yeah. fit. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I'm excited to fit some of our characters that I've already fit in new ways. I mean, like Trish Walker. Yeah. You know, I'm excited to get to get there. Get to her. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for Hellcat. So, uh, yeah. I, would she, say that. I like her character this season a lot, by the way. Again, I'm only five in. Do not crush her. Hellcat was an event way before. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I yeah, like where she's good. going. She's just hanging it out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, um, thank you for your time. Oh, my God. Yeah. So lovely speaking with you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's a pleasure. Nice to meet you. Yeah, of course. Good luck. Thank you. Okay. She's awesome. peaceful day in the honeycomb hideout is suddenly interrupted by the Hulk! A big Hulk on big cereal! Honeycomb, you better come through! Brace yourself, Hulk! Honeycomb's big! Got a big bike that tastes right! Big enough for Hulk! Just try it! Post honeycomb cereal big! A part of balanced breakfast! Hulk, go! Don't forget your honeycomb! Honeycomb big! Wow, that uh, that commercial seems very much uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's alley because it both had way too many characters and way too much Hulk simultaneously. <laughs> well, Hulk hasn't even had his own move. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> he, he had, had nine of them. <laughs> Hulk hasn't had a decent movie ever. No, so, actually, I read an article uh, just uh, the other day like through IGN, somewhat reputable source, mm -hmm. or somewhere, uh, that not the Eric Bana one, but the 2008... Uh, Edward Norton. Edward Norton one was actually kind of like Marvel's best understated, sort of before they committed to what they do now, the snarky, cool guy thing. Mm -hmm. It was like the most human Marvel. I don't know how they ranked it, but it good, said a lot of good things about yeah, the Hulk. That's all right. I liked it. I like how they kind of played on the purple pants. If you want to go back that far. Yeah, and you know what? It it is good we play on the purple pants because we're talking about costumes here. That's right. You guys remember that? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Costumes is so, what it's all about. Sounds familiar. Uh-huh. Yeah, a little bit. I vaguely remember it. <laughs> Everybody checking in? <laughs> all right, good. So we're all back. We're talking about costumes again. Uh, once again, everybody, that was uh, Elizabeth Vastola. Uh -huh. She uh, is a big player in how everybody actually dresses in the Netflix MCU. That seems like a big enough area now. We can talk about it. Yeah, I think we should. Let's take this opportunity to to like knock that out. Yeah, and hey, let's let's just, hey, yeah, you at home? Do you want to hear about it? Because here we go. <laughs> Not what you can do about it now. <laughs> but yeah, this was a uh, this was a, a real pleasure just to set the uh, literally set the table for you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, we were at WonderCon again, 2018, Anaheim, California. Uh, Johnny Heck and I we go in there, and you know it's just the for those of you that have – if you cannot get tickets to Comic-Con, which most of you idiots can't figure out how to do, um, <laughs> you should go to WonderCon. It's like – it's Comic-Con light. It's Comic-Con 20 years ago. It's – okay, 10 years ago. All right, 
20 years ago. Um, but still, it's it's a it's an incredible. It's a fun. It's a it's a perfectly sized. Uh, it, it's a maneuverable comic con. Exactly, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really place good. where you will yeah. not get a panic attack and get stuck in the men's room on the twelfth <laughs> concourse. That's absolutely right. Which I'm sure has never happened to anyone here. <laughs> yeah, or, you don't or, have to spend the night outside of Hall H in the out, for the outside chance to see Game of Thrones or something like that. It's still very comic centric. I mean, it's branching out a little bit, but yeah, totally accessible. And they let some jabronis like us sit down and talk to some really creative people. Which yeah, including I like. Yeah, including Elizabeth Vestola. And um, so we ended up, um, you know, getting to the room early uh, or on time at the very least. And um, well, yeah, that's we have early in the Saturday morning cereal <laughs> playbook. Good work. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this is a roundtable interview style. Um, however, you know, um, this was a group that, and you know, it's it's a, it's one of our favorite groups. Um, and I think it's I think they're called Image Twenty Four. I believe it doesn't matter because they're just a PR company. Um, but these guys have always brought on the best press panels for us. And um, we were able plug to... plug for Image 24. Uh, if that's indeed their name. Um, <laughs> they plug for Image 24 They don't plug for themselves. They plug for all this creative talent. And this is, this is one of the groups that we got the chance to actually interview with. And... Um, it was great. We actually, it was Johnny Heck and I at a table with Elizabeth Vestola one-on-one. And so we had all her attention. She had all of ours. And it produced the audio that you guys just heard. And we were excited about that. I mean, it was, it was, it was fantastic. We had a great time. She was a wonderful person. Obviously very talented, as you guys can all see on Netflix, on Jessica Jones Season 2, Daredevil Season 2. And Daredevil season three, enjoy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Daredevil season three yet to come out, mm-hmm. but we can assume it's going to rock. She has yeah. not forgotten how to dress people, <laughs> yeah. and this is like when you think about. Uh, let's be honest, the like the big blockbuster uh, Avengers movies, half of all the costumes, all of Hulk. <laughs> There's so much CGI there, but the Netflix world, yeah, I don't want to say is a lesser world, but this is where you have your humbler heroes, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, does that sound right? Yeah, your more realistic budgeted heroes, but also kind of uh, lower class. Heroes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're strangers. not fighting Thanos. Is yeah, my point. Yeah. Un- well, oh. Well, unless uh, Avengers, well, yeah, I don't want to do any spoilers <laughs> yeah, here, but they're not rocking the the uh, CGI Iron Man suit or hulking out or Doctor Stranging. Man, they're wearing kind of everyday clothes. Well, almost everybody is wearing everyday clothes. Yeah, and uh, that's yeah. and that was actually um, that was a big takeaway from the interview that you all just heard. Right? Was yeah. That, was if that... you heard it, you'd know that. But thanks for <laughs> tuning in. A Once again, late. the time is 4.18 p.m. Uh, Weather is a balmy 78, and you're listening to Saturday Morning Serial. <laughs> and you, what, what you just heard was, was Elizabeth Vastola as she kind of went through 
kind of her psychological method here, right? Yeah. And um, the reason why Jessica Jones, you know, she's 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 wearing whatever's on the floor. You know, she she like gets up and she has to go somewhere, and so she just throws on some clothes. Now everything is well thought out before it's on the floor, obviously for production reasons. But the actual <laughs> character, yeah, it's the not actual, my floor. Yeah, it's not my floor. But the actual character is like you know she's not at peace with her powers, and so she doesn't really have a you know a quote superhero costume yeah you know whereas you know daredevil is kind of one is like the crux of her superhero character because yeah. who names a superhero jessica jones <laughs> and but uh, she doesn't want to be more than that and yet she is and well as we know from our comic book expert that that's actually not her superhero name yeah originally she went by sapphire uh she and she was one of your oh, just kind that of costume. oh that costume yeah she was one of your just kind of average i'm going to wear a suit and fly around and punch shit and then just kind of became <laughs> um you know the alias investigation so she was just jessica jones you're like just drop the bullshit now i'm just going to be who I am, I'm my name, and Luke Cage kind of followed the same thing. Instead of being Power Man and wearing some weird-ass shit, he just wears blue jeans now and a gold shirt. He's just Luke Cage. I mean, they're dropping pretense in the comics, and that's translated well into the show because it's not about hiding behind these costumes necessarily. It's about embracing just themselves and going out there in this world full of superheroes because there's enough people wearing costumes and masks and try to hide who they are. Uh, Daredevil is a good example because he kind of has to. Uh, he wants to keep his day job, right? I mean, yeah. I think you could disbarred if they find out you're Daredevil. But, um, yeah, they really don't need to, and it, and it works best for them. Yeah, I think that's actually key, um, that these characters, like, they're, they're not as sure-footed as, you know, the Iron Man character is in the movies, right? Like, this guy's a billionaire. Nothing can touch this guy. Yeah. And he's like, oh, fuck it, I'm Iron Man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like He's got yeah. press conferences happening anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, does, he doesn't really he's get like, it. He's like, go get your fucking shine box. I'm Iron Man. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and he's, you know, he's just a very, very, very confident superhero. Jessica Jones is not a confident person. She's much less a confident superhero. Um, and, uh, and, and at the same time, Daredevil is kind of that bridge. You saw, you saw the defenders, right? Right. Oh, Holy yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, the Daredevil was the only character that actually was, he was the only one in a, in a quote, superhero costume. Mm-hmm. And they were too busy make, kind of making fun of it. It was kind of the, they all glanced at the, like behind them and kind of looked at him and was like, what are you wearing kind of thing. Like they were all standing in the the hallway and all of them were normal minus Daredevil. Yeah, who's just all dressed up like some asshole. <laughs> Isn't it kind of one of those things where like a Batman, the, the Daredevil, the costume strikes fear in people. Yeah. So it, it's, it's almost kind of the persona, you know. I think if you see Luke Cage, yeah, you're scared, but it's like, oh, you're still Luke Cage. Like that Daredevil has that kind of mystery behind it but like you said it's like well, you kind of look at this jackass behind it <laughs> yeah. wearing this you know yeah because you know like uh jessica jones is trying to hide mm-hmm. luke cage feels like he has to hide uh i can't say anything about iron fist that 
motherfucker should probably just hide. <laughs> but but Daredevil is like, no, I even though I don't want to scare people away from my day job as a, a hugely unsuccessful lawyer, <laughs> I, I still want everyone at night to know who I am. And is that the cross? And I don't mm-hmm. because I didn't see Defenders. Well, I think it also so has to do with. I don't know if the like um, the whole thing, the whole reason behind them getting together is to scare everybody into like, hey, no. there's a low rent Avengers in Hell's Kitchen. No, I don't think that that's really okay, the reason why that they get together. Um, but there is something to be said about the powers that they all kind of exhibit. Um, the Iron Fist, his power is his Iron Fist. So he really doesn't well, yeah, need a costume. Yeah, that's like like oh. his his actual costume in the comics is pretty ridiculous. Like the green with the with the yellow thing, right? And he has a big V neck kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's really headband, it's awful. Right. Um, it but shows off that cool tattoo or whatever it is. He, now he does show that tattoo, which is which is cool, you know. But you just put a T-shirt on to hide that. But like for him, the actual costume is the fist. So as long as he's not punching people with his iron fist. You're not going to know who he is. Um, and then now, maybe if he does it too fast, at this point, people will think, was that Thanos? <laughs> I have no idea who that was. But Boy, that um, was just a fist. But at the same time, you have characters like Luke Cage doesn't need a costume because he's bulletproof. Daredevil needs some armor, right? He needs some, he needs some armor, some actual armor, and his suit is actually functional, like Batman, like how you brought up. His suit is actual functional, right? It has the pockets for his billy club. It has it's, it covers his face and covers his eyeballs, which is good because you 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 can't really tell that he's blind, you know. Which would be a big tell if the superhero that kicked your ass was blind. That can narrow a lot of the suspects. Well, you mean like like he comes running at you wearing fucking Ray Bans? Yeah, with a little walking stick. He has like a dog. Like dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you would kind of nail who that was. Like, you know? Wait a second. He's got Something a subpoena in his hand. He's yeah. the lawyer. No, so if he's yeah. moving fast, does it really matter if you don't notice he's making eye contact? Yeah, I think it would. I think but it all would right, I'm out. nitpicking. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. but like, so he has like this like armor that he has to wear. Luke Cage doesn't need the armor. Jessica Jones is kind of in the middle of these of this world. You could also kind of look at it as Daredevil's the only one okay in accepting himself with his superpowers and embracing it, while the other guys are kind of hiding. They're okay-ish with it, but yeah. they haven't fully embraced it, and they're just they're existing, but they're not happy with their powers. Yeah, I think you're right, and I also think that was. A part of the the arc of at least the first season of Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, because he's he like actually, he couldn't yeah. stop himself. He knew it was wrong to keep being vigilante, and all of Froggy and everybody else like, why are you doing? What, uh, I don't, I don't understand why you keep coming into work with broken bones, black eyes. <laughs> because he's blind. He's bumping into shit all the time. Oh no! So it's like this non-committal, like this non-committal superhero angle. It's like either go full superhero or not, right? I mean, at least Daredevil saying, "Hey, I'm going for full hero. I'm, yeah. I'm going to rock the costume." But it took him long enough to get there, and I think that is definitely from what I've seen of Jessica Jones. I admit I haven't seen season two. But she is definitely the reluctant superhero. And the little flashes of uh, what uh, Electra Super Symphony Cinnamon. Starfire. 
Starfire, uh, give it up on stage two for no whatever superhero she's supposed to be. Like like that seems like flashes of a different show altogether. Yeah, it doesn't even really exist, and it's actually brushed over really quickly. Like it doesn't, you know, she's not like she, it's almost the reason to she's not a comic book character. Miss it for the yes. rest of the Netflix show, right? Yeah, they actually yeah. just kind of throw it away. They actually bring it up as a joke. Exactly. You know, like her superhero like character is not is a, is ridiculous, yeah. and they kind of flash it in season one and they throw it away. Um, and it's, it's really brilliant in how they use costumes to, to kind of, again, and I think, I think we actually said this earlier in the show, but like they kind of actually use it to kind of acknowledge the history of the character, acknowledge the comic book of the character, and in a way, tip the hat to Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and whoever else contributed to her creation. But at the same time, just say, you know, this is, this is the, this is adult swim now, you know, the kids are out of the pool now, like passing the gauntlet. Yeah. We have to just to say, Hey, to move. we're appropriating yeah, this storyline. Exactly. And I think Elizabeth touched on it too, but some of it is fan service because she mentioned how fans could get a little honorary. Welcome to the internet. Yeah. But if you have, <laughs> you know, like a shitty costume, they're going to let you know in about five seconds. Yeah. So, Hey, let's have this little homage. Let's, let's throw it back to the hardcore comic purists. Even if we were just going to shit on the on the original costume, we're at least going to acknowledge it. And yeah. I love that, by the way. I love the homages because, like, I, I like how you can kind of, um, you know, if you're going to build on these franchises, you know, that, that have a lot of history and, and a lot of appreciation, a lot of fan service already built into it, you have to acknowledge it in some way. As we know... The Luke Cage character did that the best, mm-hmm. you know, and that they kind of made that a narrative point of the cre- of the creation of the character. Yeah. It was it was a passing kind of joke. It was it was much more passing joke in the Jessica Jones way, but in the Luke Cage way, it was this is how he got his powers, and he woke up as this super powered being with this ridiculous headband and these bracelets and this gold shirt. And yeah. he looks ridiculous. But and that's maybe, how the character right. looked in the comics. Yeah. And, and not to segue off the MCU, but um, I also watched Supergirl on the CW. Uh-huh. And in the first episode, they had this little montage as she's trying on different costumes and they showed her with like a little crop top. It was yeah. Different iterations of Supergirl has that. She's like, what the hell? How is this functional? You know, <laughs> this is stupid, you know. So they gave her a more modern costume, but yeah, I mean, but there's iterations of Supergirl in like a half shirt, yeah. just showing a lot of skin, which is a midriff. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, and and so it's it's yeah. kind of neat I, I to show. I would say it. the uh, the Supergirl uh, side boob era is one we should all be ashamed of. But not Power Girl. Hey, you know what I'm talking oh, about. Well done. Uh, she's, she's got she's got some lower back problems. That's for sure. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh my I did God! Not I think say we that. might need more context to get away with that. Just Google Power Girl, and you'll know what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. All right. But uh, as we move and, as we move forward, and just so forward, you know, we're on the right side of history. Moving forward. <laughs> I feel like we have talked up the Netflix MCU. Yeah, there's a whole lot more. But it turns out there's a theatrical one. Whoa. That they spend 
12 to 50 times the budget on these days. Yeah. Uh, one big movie was Black Panther. Yes. You might have heard about it. It's breaking records still of some kind. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it, it's already, I mean, obviously, Avengers. Uh, it just got its 500,000th mention in a podcast. Sure. <laughs> it, you can't see it at home, but there are balloons falling right. here. The crowd's going crazy. Mm -hmm. Aside from uh, Infinity War, I think Black Panther is up there now as one of the tops, maybe top three. It's up there just smashing records. And it the proof is there in the film. And much obviously, there's a lot of CGI as we mentioned. I mean, it's badass special effects, but that's not what we're talking about. The costumes, man, the costumes in Wakanda uh, throughout the film are just amazing. And and the person, the very talented uh, Academy Award nominated cost, uh, costume designer we spoke to, you could see Ruth e. Carter. The influence, yeah. just you'll hear I it in the interview, Ruth. but. Um, it, it, it's amazing, man. I mean, you felt like you're in this fictional, this fictional place. I mean, I think a lot of people after you saw this movie thought Wakanda was, was a, a real, real place. place. <laughs> yeah, I know. I agree. <laughs> There's a very good chance that if you were to poll people, they would probably have told you that they knew about Wakanda. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Bill. I've been to Wakanda. Been yeah, yeah, I really like I, Wakanda. Uh, I studied yeah. abroad. Um, I've been there. Do you think there's actually, and I'm sorry to to go off on a tangent here, but do you think there might be someone out there who thinks Wakanda is withholding vibranium from us? Like in a serious way? <laughs> yeah, I'm like sure they of actually it. assume yes. that? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive. Dude, I, you, okay, now I want you to prove to me I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't prove to you that you're that wrong. That sounds like an awesome comment. <laughs> uh, um, what I know about this Wakanda <laughs> just said in a very Kansas City accent. I still haven't seen the movie yet, although I did help conduct the interview that you all are about to hear. Um, but I am aware of a lot of things. <laughs> I'm aware that the, the that largest is, collection of, about my that, boy Marky. That is the most aware of a lot of that things. That is the most Marky quote I've I'm heard. I'm aware that the largest collection of hot air balloons are in Albuquerque, New Mexico, for the balloon fiesta. I'm aware about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm aware that Ruthie Carter designed the costumes in. The, in Black Panther, along with pretty much all Spike Lee joints. And, yeah, that's, yeah, but, yeah uh, and, you're right. Ruth and, is not just responsible for Black Panther. Correct. She, she also has been did. in the business for decades. Decades. And she's been just just tearing shit up. She yep. crushes it. In the like, we're even talking Omnistad she did, you know? And so, like... She's worked with Spielberg. Yeah. She's worked with the Spike Lee joints. She you know? did costumes in I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. I'm Gonna Get the fucking goldfish shoes. I don't know if she did that. If she did yes. that, I, I know, I mean. Ruth Carter, a youth sat down she at did, a table looking her in the eye. She did you Serenity. You weren't aware that she. She Serenity. did Serenity. Firefly, the movie, Serenity. Yeah, she but did not costumes. Firefly. No, not not the series because she does. They were already wearing. She does movies, dude. No, but she did Serenity. Like you know, this girl's been around. Like she knows what she's doing. She has the resume. 
You know what I mean? Like, this thing is, she's crushing it. She had a, a presence, man. Sit down next oh, to her. Maybe. It was, yeah, you, you sit down to, sometimes you just sit down Reverence. to somebody. There was a presence there. Yeah. And it was like, okay, this is, just hearing her speak about it and uh, just her wealth of knowledge about it. And just, again, just sitting next to her, I was like, all right, this is pretty special right here. And then looking back on uh, on Black Panther and just, all the little things. I mean, I, I went back and watched it just to take a look at the costumes specifically, and then yeah. enjoy. We are in an era level. where, because of CG, the same character within a two-minute scene wears one costume, magically changes into right. another one. What because of vibranium and mm. Wakanda and whatnot? Sure, and it looks amazing. Both of them. And every single thing that you guys just said, every single thing, it all goes into what the characters, like what the costume designers are thinking, what they're debating, what they're designing, and what you ultimately see on the screen. And Ruthie Carter is about to tell us all about it. Yeah, I don't want to put the wrong idea out there. Yeah. My point is that costume designers are much better human beings than us. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> For instance, uh, uh, Ruth told us a couple of things about how she... Oh, you know, uh, I've got an interview with her. You guys, hold on a second. Do this. Magic interview yeah. machine, bring this up. Yeah, he looked good, too. Oh, he looked good? Uh-huh. Storm. Yeah, together. <laughs> we are, we are like setting a new generation of cosplayers. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Talking to Ruth Carter, costume designer. I think they were really quick to, they've been, a lot of people have been waiting for this opportunity uh, for Black Panther cosplay. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge uh, responsibility on my part because everybody who loved Black Panther comics was like, I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> so that's where they got the line in the movie, in the cosplayers. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's just a whole just a whole generation, a whole race of people. Just everybody was just kind of waiting to see it on, on the and treated like, treated like this. Yeah, and I think that there was a certain uh, allowance of uh, artistic license, and not only with what we did, but with every comic book uh, iteration of the Black Panther. Like, Tanashi Coates' uh, illustrators were different from Reggie Hudlin's illustrators. So I think that knowing that, when I started studying those uh, Wakandan images in the in the comics, I was like, oh, we got, we, there, there's a theme here, you know, there's an idea here, but we can actually bring it forward because it's modern technology. And you can't say, you know, even a month old with modern technology. So. Uh, yeah. Yes. 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 Well, one example is the Basuchi blankets that we had. We actually had to do those blankets uh, over and over and over again for many reasons to get the vibranium right. We show Ryan Coogler a beautiful design on the Basuchi blanket that we silk screened with a metallic paint, and you know he pressed it, and he say, 
it doesn't, you know, vibranium is the strongest metal known to man. It's too cracked. It's too wobbly. So we go back and we're like, ah, that vibranium is killing us. Ah. So we're like, okay, it's silver. It's silver. But it has to be, have a level of strength when it's presented. So we, we, I put it in several little things here and there. Did the original guys, like, I know Stan Lee helped create the actual character. Yeah, he and, was in the movie, too. I'm sure he was. Yeah. And who he was the uh, Who was the original illustrator, you know? Um, well, did they get anything? Jack like, Kirby. Kirby. I wanted to say Kirby. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, did they get, did they stumble on something that was really true to an African culture or... Was it just appropriate? Was it just wild and just out there? Well, no, I think that, you know, uh, African um, diaspora has been uh, alive and well for generations. And during the 60s, with the Civil Rights Movement and Malcolm X and Stokely Carmichael and Martin Luther King, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee felt like there needed to be a black superhero. And they created one. It was a sign of the times. It was, an, uh, it was a, a, a way of protesting, you know, what was happening. Like, let's get the superhero into the black community. And, and, you know, when you look back at the Black Panther Party, they were always very much uh, into the African, uh, infusing African into this uh, movement. So, you know, I think it, it was a sign of the times. And it was appropriate for the time, to, and, it, and ironically, it's still appropriate for today. So that was your that was your home base on this on, for your for your design work here was My, the the original source. Um, not the original source. I felt I le I leaned on Marvel to sort of uh, let me know about the culture of the comic, you know, and give me um, clues to you know what like um, Claw, you know, his whole backstory, uh, this arms dealer. He was great in the movie, wasn't he? Oh my God, he was so great. Um, oh my God. He was fantastic. You know, he's like, I made it rain, I made it rain. Anyway, so uh, what was your question again? Oh, well, it was just, it was just, uh, what was the source? Like, uh, where oh. did all these costumes come from? Where did, like, what is the baseline here? Was it the original source? You were saying that it was something that kind of Marvel we has evolved into. We all of the comic books and studied them all. And Ryan Coogler has specific comics that he liked over others. I couldn't tell you off the top, but there were some where he liked this character, the way this character was 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 presented. Like, there were some where the um, Mbaku, the... Uh, uh, the man Abe was not represented in a very uh, good light at all, and so we shied away from doing anything that was like that. So we—he was a studied comic book fan, that Ryan Coogler. So you know, he gave me direction in terms, as a director does, uh, with what he wanted, and I carried through what he wanted and infused some of my design aesthetic in, in that, but Africa was our landscape. Africa has been the landscape on all of the comics. We just uh, we just pinpointed where each tribe would be influenced or inspired by. So Jabari was Dogon, uh, the river tribe was uh, Surma and Suri, 
uh, the Dora wore the neck rings of the Indebele tribe, and their back skirts were from the Himba, Himba tribe. So we, we connected all of the elements, which Africa is, a, is an amazing resource. It's not a country, by the way, right? <laughs> it's a huge, it's a, it's a whole continent, Wakanda right? It's, it's not a <laughs> Well, I know that too, but I'm just oh, saying, okay, like, yeah. like the, whole, the whole idea that, like, it's a continent. It's a continent. There's right. different countries, different it's cultures. Massive. massive. Right. It's not all the same. Right. It's not all Shakazulu. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Absolutely. But that's what I think we thought before this. A lot of people did. They just had no concept. And right. it's not to anyone's fault. I think it's because they don't teach black history in school. And so you have no idea. They don't teach African history. You don't know about Soweto. You don't know about a part. You have to get it on your own or from your parents. We have to get it from comic books sometimes. Sometimes I mean, you're going to get it from Wakanda, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, yeah I, I'm sure that it's the whole, the, the whole like purpose of it was to give it kind of one spot where it all this comes from. Yes. Yeah, it's like all focused in Wakanda. Yeah, it's a melting pot. Right. This, this represents Africa as a whole. Yes. And what its and troubles its are. And it's And it's diversity, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, Ryan Coogler wanted the Dora to be covered from neck to, to wrist, from head to toe. They had to be a real fighting force. They are like the Navy SEALs of Wakanda. They protect the king. Um, there's not many of them, so we had to give them a brilliance. Uh, in their red color and also in their in their armor pieces. But he also said to me that he wanted the armor to feel like jewelry. So we gave it, we, we, we plated it in many different ways when we tested it on camera. Also they have like a little necklace that's been designed by Anthony Francesco of Marvel's visual development team. And I uh, hired a real jewelry designer, one who knew how to really have the aesthetic of Africa, the hand-tooled, hand-hammered, and she tooled that necklace and we, we made a mold from it so that their, their necklaces would feel like, you know, these things are brilliant, they're beautiful, but they're also just hand-done by craftsmen. I had a question about uh, one of the looks on Princess Shuri, yes. where she's wearing that brilliant uh, reddish-orange vest yes. that is very similar to something comic book character Riri Williams wears who takes over the Iron Man mantle. Wow. Was that intentional? No. That's <laughs> a Riri Williams. Riri Williams. So she's 17. She's yes. a young, brilliant black scientist. What? And she, she has taken over the Iron Man mantle. Wow. So there's a lot of us who are wondering if maybe that was intentional because we know that Robert Downey Jr. has said that he's probably going to be done after this round of films. Wow. And would Shuri not be the most badass? Wouldn't she? Oh, I'm just saying. <laughs> right um, told me. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea. Yeah. Wow. She would be She was so funny and so good. And that orange vest was so, at first, you know, the DP didn't want that vest. Because it was so bright. And then we made a dull one, and I was like, ah, oh, she just lost everything, you know. And uh, and so Letitia Wright, she was like, you have to fight for it, Ruth. You have to fight for it. I was like, okay, I'm going to fight. I'm 
put a five for the orange. I'm so glad I did. It's so pretty. But you know, I'm influenced by modern modern fashion too. And I had so many chair sheets. I mean, I love Gareth Hugh. He's very futuristic in his approach. I love Rick Owens. And so that best probably came out of my research. I was just curious. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. maybe that was a nod. Yeah, maybe. See, but that, this is, these are the things that Marvel can use. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not outside the realm of possibility. Exactly. Yeah, I would agree. I think we have time for one more, is what they were telling me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so I found an idea. I developed the idea of the dress. The director and I talked about the color, and he kept thinking it needed to be the most vibrant red we could find. We had an orangey red, we had a blue red, we chose that red that was kind of like in the middle. Um, and we drove around a parking lot with a stuck girl on top of the car, and we tested that dress over and over again to see if the skirt was going to fly up high enough. And I kept thinking, do we need wires? Do we need... You guys have a special, you, you visual effects people, you can do whatever you want. But the dress really performed. We were... It's a practical effect. You know, and uh, we had a girl from the Boston Ballet who understood ballet costumes and dance make that dress so that it would just fly. I think I, they haven't kicked us out quite yet. And okay. since I can see from from some of your credits that it's Malcolm X and Omnistad and some really great works. Thank but you. This working on Black Panther has given you the opportunity to see your work on an action figure. Yeah. What was that like if well, you're in Target or like, something? Okay, I did what I normally do as a costume designer. I research. Sometimes I get characters I don't know their world or their life. I got to figure it out. So yeah, superhero world I had to figure out the making of the costume. But what it really feels like that's the most different is now with the cosplay. Yeah. Now, I mean, there's no Malcolm X walking around. Uh, <laughs> no, maybe there should be, but that's another topic. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Let's not go there. Yeah. But I'm just amazed at how they really tap into the idea of it being something that's wearable, that people can dress up in, and and just the response of the kids dressed in the superhero. Like, we brought another element to the... Yeah. The fan fandom. And that deserves a huge congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. They're gonna they're gonna kick you out. Okay. Thank you so much yeah, for your work. Take care now. Bye bye. I think we learned at least a couple things here today. 
commercials used to be four minutes long, and <laughs> Cheerios used to be steroids. Packed in protein. It was just like, are, are Cheerios taking the credit for the milk? <laughs> that's not really fair. Was that a ghost talking to you? Cheerios are good for you. No, it was a damsel in distress. Uh, all right. Often confused with ghosts because they don't well, exist. Well, why should I listen to a damsel in distress? <laughs> listen, before we're here or there, we just heard Ruth Garter talking about how she dressed everybody in Black Panther. Yeah. Let's not pretend that's a small thing. It's not a small thing. This is... I actually thought that Wakanda was a real place until the interview because I, because I'm an idiot. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, she she basically dressed a whole country, and no, Africa is not a country as we learned in the interview. Also, but, but Wakanda, Wakanda is. is. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Wakanda Despite is a country, not being a country. And and yes, Ruthie Carter dressed a whole country of people. And uh, as we learned, every single thing has a purpose, a rhyme, and a reason uh, in all the costuming. What we learned from these interviews was that everything fucking matters, every yeah. single thing. Yeah. And she had, uh, I mean, especially someone who had been in the industry so long to have said uh, so much about, like, kind of where this uh, hero came from yeah. to what they can do with it now. Uh, it seems like a long way to go. Yeah. And it seems like they've done it very well. Yeah. And it also has to be very, very, it also has to be very practical, right? I mean, you have to have, uh, you know, you have to have, if, if your, if your character is going to be wearing a dress and she's going to be flying on top of a car, then the dress can't be flying over her head like Marilyn Monroe. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, so all these things have to, like, there's a lot of collaboration, a lot of thought, and a lot of, like, social consideration and thought also. You know, like, these things all matter, and uh, you know, across the board. And it's not... Um, it's not specific to the Marvel universe, but it is personified in the Marvel universe. Yeah, and it's not just that the the costumes are great because they're they're phenomenal, but they're also you have to take into consideration with all the uh, special effects that go into it nowadays. That you know we don't really necessarily think about. You know, uh, Black Panther's costume came out of his necklace, the little necklace that he wore. And that's all special effects, but somebody had to design that idea. And then on top of that, the costume that came out of that. And plus the sister had like four other Black Panther outfits just chilling in the the, <laughs> the lair, whatever you want to call it. They were just sitting there. And they all had their unique designs. And that was not an easy thing to do. I believe Panthers live in a den. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're all chilling in the den. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean that's absolutely right. And so you have these, these, these creatives who, you know, just like just take a normal. Let's say they're doing Death of a Salesman. You know, like they have all these considerations that they have to like come up with. You know, they have to kind of think of all this stuff. You throw on you, you throw on top of that that they're super powered. Throw on top of that, that that it doesn't take place in Harlem. 
you know, throw on top of that that this takes place in a totally functional country. Um, and, man, the challenges just multiply and multiply and multiply. Um, fitting something as complicated as Black Panther, it took somebody like Ruth E. Carter to do. This is experience and, and, and practice and, and professionalism, and it was seen here. And then you also take into account, but well, it wasn't just Wakanda. It was all the tribes within yeah. Wakanda had all their distinct looks. Yep. Um, it, it was just, it was, it was bananas. And she talked about how um, different areas of Africa influenced the different tribes of Wakanda. And it just, those subtle little things, man, that, that they, they spent so much time on. It's just, it's mind boggling. It comes through, man. It's the real champion of it. I mean, yeah, the actors are great. The CGI is great, but again, the costumes are the hero. I, I would think that uh, the actual Black Panther part of it was probably the easiest part of it. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, it's it's everything else you see in that movie. That's what Ruthie Carter really did. The costume hasn't changed much in, in, in yeah. 40, 50 years, so... I mean, the Black Panther himself, the, the actual costume, yeah. And, and we saw it in the Civil War. Um, but it, it'd take on a, a few steps. But again, the real hero, man, is just all these costumes in, in the show. It's just, or in the movie, I mean, just home run every time. Every time. Yeah, I mean, it's all brilliant. You don't, it's the little things that you don't even think of when you're watching this movie. And Well, and, and she she even talked about it was that, like, you know, the medallions that they were wearing had to like be hand carved, you know, and like there's, it's so meticulous and so well thought out. And it was just, it was such a pleasure to talk to her and to, you know, and as we set the table a little bit again, you know, we were at WonderCon and this was one of the last interviews that we had the opportunity to do. And, you know, she had an, it was kind of, she had an entourage, right? I mean, she was popular. This, you know, she's been in the industry for decades. I know. And she's like, and I, I saw her, I don't even know if it was before or after, but like, I remember seeing her like on, like on, on like E or on uh, like a lot of like the, um, the Hollywood news channels, you know, like she's, she's known and she's respected and she's loved and she's admired. And she put together this, you know, her last bit of wonderful work was with a cultural phenomenon that is Black Panther. Um, and all we can do is just sit and marvel at her work. <laughs> I see what you oh, said. Yeah. That was, uh... Kind of cheesy. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's but all in truth, that. though, I mean, she probably had to go into this job not assuming she was going to make the first big blockbuster that broke all these, not just box office records, but like social barrier records yeah. that sparked conversations. She just took it on as another job, just like so many movies she's done, which had just social happenstance been right, might have been that spark that was like, hey, did you notice Saturday Night Live did a skit? about a throwaway gag in the movie <laughs> because it's so socially relevant. But she's been a big part of all the, those kinds of properties. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think it shows there is, there's something about her uh, meeting her personally 
there is something about her that's just so confident and so secure, you know, like, you know, she's just, she's just, she's, she's just on, you know, dude, there was a presence around this yeah. woman. You could tell. And, and not for nothing, she was dressed so well. I know. <laughs> yeah. I have a Star Wars shirt on and blue jeans and she comes and looks, looks like a million bucks. I know. Oh my God, I, I am like, in the I am six one. I felt like I was three inches tall. She was awesome. It It was was really a highlight of the whole thing. I was going to say the way the two of you dress. Just just generally at the same table. (laughs) I have a Hulkamania shirt on. I have not seen her, which is probably the most fashionable thing you've worn. (laughs) You're right. It's not very very modern, but yes, it is very fashionable. No, it was it was a real event. It was a real pleasure, and um, as you guys just heard, you know, this is by no accident that she got to do this movie. It's, you know, what caused, you know, what came first? You know, this is the chicken and and the egg scenario. Is this movie so well-received because of all the talented people that came in? You know, or did the fact that the movie was so well received make all these talented people's reputation for them? Right. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why this thing worked out is because you had the best of the best producing this whole fictional world. And we got to see it like right before our eyes, even though I haven't seen the movie yet. <laughs> Shame. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. I can't uh-huh. wait. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything, it all came together and I think it wasn't the, the stars that made it great. I think it was everything around it, the production value, everything was up on this project. And I think that's what made, not the other Marvel movies, not that they weren't great, but I think that this was just, it's time for it. And they, they blew it out of the water. They did, and it may have just been like a coincidence of social timing where it seems like kind of the right side of history for that, you know, uh, a fresh new semi-fictional take on Africa, but people responded to it. I thought it was amazing, and it is, uh, a lot of critics have said it is the best Marvel movie to date including Infinity War, wow. just because it is not just fun, but it is a clean, direct, like socially conscious ride without hitting you over the head with it. And if they got the costumes wrong, well, I don't know <laughs> if anyone remembers a little movie from around about the time that uh, the actual, uh, like, uh, like, uh, not Iron Fist. Jessica Jones. Early eight. Uh, uh there was uh, the Shogun of Harlem. Oh, that was um, Enter the Dragon. Yes. No. Enter the Dragon. No, yeah, it was. it was. Okay. Yeah. I believe it was, but it was a black exploitation karate movie. <laughs> yeah. Where the coolest black character in the early eighties wore this outlandish costume. Yeah, I remember. Shogun. The Shogun of Harlem. Shogun of Harlem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's the greatest movie of all time. have it tempered (laughs) down to what we have now. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that was a great movie. It's it's something that's like, um, we can kind of see where it... uh, I like how it has its kind of roots. We saw that in that, like, 
brief moment in the first season of Luke Cage where he gets his superpowers and he's wearing this stuff. It's like it's it's literally shackles. He's wearing these bracelets that, you know, he wear. you know, this is his costume in the comic books, but they're kind of presented as kind of shackles in the series. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's him just kind of breaking, tearing these things off and becoming a, a, a superhero, becoming Luke Cage. Yeah. You know, we're kind of seeing reclaiming like reclaiming it. And it's, it's just, it's so, it's so triumphant, you know? Um, and, you know, I'm not going to pretend to like really understand all of its significance. You know, I can only, I'm a 40 year old man who grew up in New Mexico, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, I don't know all the ins and outs of this thing, but like, you but know I know the struggle for water. That's about <laughs> I know it. the struggle. I do know the struggle for, and, and air. It's a mile high where I come from. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, but what I do know is that like, whatever, whatever happened before, it just seemed like it was a long time coming, you know, like this thing is, it's finally here. We all seem to be breathing a sign of relief. Um, we're glad that the people that are uh, finally that are bringing this content to us are now they, they now have a, a real root in, in in the subject. You know, like it's 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 really something to see. And ultimately, when you could sit here and talk about the costumes above all the CGI budget and yeah. all these amazing and the CGI was great. Don't get me wrong, all all the effects are great. <laughs> But when you could talk about and have an honest discussion about the fucking costumes and how cool they were, <laughs> you know it's just it's out of sight. Man. I agree. So, you know, yeah. tip of the hat to everyone involved, especially our guests. Um, it was amazing. Looking forward to what's yeah. next. Black Panther 2, no doubt. Uh, Daredevil, uh, Daredevil Season 3 is coming up. I mean, the talented work from our guests. We're going to see more of it um, very soon. Yeah, that's right. As a, and as a matter of fact, if uh, titles like that are just too contemporary for you, <laughs> uh, we've got some giveaways here on the show. What? Let's break from this to just give shit away. I what? know. That's what we do. Uh, starting first with the new movie from Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. <laughs> It's not new, but it's been 35 years. <laughs> Trading Places. Trading That's Places right. is now coming to is it 4K HD Ultra. I don't even know. It, it I think must it be, because if it isn't, they're wasting our there's time. There's no reason to have it. Um, but, yeah, Trading Places. Can you guys believe it's been 35 years? 35 years. And, and you know, just just in case you can't get enough Eddie Murphy, in which I never can. I wish he would come back to us. Um, but, yeah, Coming to America has also been re-released. And that's celebrating its 30th anniversary. Yep, 30th, this year. 30th. 2018. It's stupid. Ago. It's stupid that that movie is so dominant in my mind as being relevant and new. <laughs> Yeah, thirty because years. You grew old. up nowhere near Queens. You are not black. I am not, and you I'm not, are not royal. And I'm not coming to America. I am in America. And you've never even met Arsenio Hall. <laughs> you identify. You don't know for so sure. Much. I have not met Arsenio, although I have not met Arsenio. <laughs> right. um, but no, there's the the. Okay, so yes, we one of our proudest giveaways ever. I need a copy read from Johnny Heck. You got it. Also, um, speaking, uh, this is one of the original shared universes because 
Um, the cats from Trading Places appear in Coming to America. Yep. Right? Randolph yeah. and Mortimer. Right? Yep, that's right. That's right. All right, everybody. Eddie Murphy demonstrates his. I don't have my glasses. I need you to put on. I need you to hold on. Wait, wait. I need you to put on your glasses, and I need you to put on your radio voice. Points this towards you. Hold on. All right. Who, who, who yeah, do? we got it. We're All right, here we go. Here we go. go. Copy read, everybody. Copy read. I'm gonna hand it off to my boy here. Eddie Murphy demonstrates his incomparable comedic talent in the beloved '80s classics Trading Places and Coming to America. Available individually oh, on Blu-ray plus digital. Coming June 12, 2018, America, from Paramount America. Home Media Distribution. Can you celebrating its 35th I'll anniversary? Trading Places pairs Murphy with Dan Aykroyd and director John Landis's side-splitting social satire. <laughs> well, that's coming to America, but in Trading Places, a small-time con artist switches roles. With a big-time stock market maven. He's not a con artist. I don't know what a maven is. Well, I guess he is. As part of an (laughs) indie bet between two mega-rich brothers. It was a $1 bet. It was insulting. Looking good, Lewis. But when the truth comes out, the consequences are pure comedy gold. The Blu-ray includes multiple behind-the-scenes featurettes as well as access to a digital copy. Ooh, all of this can be yours for the very low price of tweeting us at Stay Classy SDCC. I will give both copies away to the first person that tweets me now. Right now? Right now. Right now? Right now. Right now. At Stay Classy SDCC, you guys can have a copy of both Trading Places and Coming to America which is apparently an indication of how fucking old I am. Um, <laughs> I can't believe it. Louis Anderson is in Coming to America. He's the one that goes, when I started here, I was cleaning lettuce. You remember that scene? It was funny. It was yeah, funny at the time. Yeah, yeah, because, because uh, I'm sure someone here is as old as you. And Samuel L. Jackson comes through and tries to rob the joint. That's right. right? Samuel yeah. Jackson's in it. Uh, Arsenio Pretty Hall funny. is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Earl Jones is in James it. James Earl Jones is in it. And like, there's like five Eddie Murphys in Coming to America. <laughs> there right. is. There is. Yeah, he does The Barber. I would he say does. that movie is beautiful. What is it? Velvet? <laughs> anyway, point being, I'm sure we're giving away more than just those two movies. No, those. Are, that's it, really. But uh, I just—I I want was you guys. Wrong. We're away. <laughs> Coming to America and trading places. If you haven't seen them by now, what's wrong with you? I know it's you been guys. Thirty and thirty-five years, respect. I'm actually not going to give this to you if this is the first time you've seen it. I'm gonna. I. You must be thirty-five and older to win this prize. This is for at best. Casual fans. <laughs> and not jaded whatsoever. <laughs> you guys, this has been a.